May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Giant T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined by Sherelle McMillan for the Instant Analysis podcast. Rail UNC just got done beating Elon 75-61 to 61 in a much closer game than I know I anticipated. I feel like it was a much closer game than many anticipated as well. When you're looking at this one, do you view this as kind of a potential red flag game? Or is, is it because we're so new into this season? This is yet an, another opportunity for, for Roy Williams to tell his team, this is where you guys have some deficiencies and this is where we must get better i.e. this is really a teachable moment. I think it's a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, they didn't play well. And I'm sure as Williams is right now talking to the media, he's not pleased. I mean, they were down by nine at one point in the first half, down by one at halftime. And, you know, he would say they're more gifted uh, athletically, more gifted players. They're taller, bigger, faster, stronger. And they didn't play like it until the second half. And, I think the first half is definitely a teachable moment, as is the second half, in that if they focus on um, the strengths of the team, the things that they have an advantage over most teams with, which is Armando Bacot, Garrison Brooks, Cole Anthony, and let the other pieces be insulary and you know pivot off of that, I think they're a better team that way. Um, so I think that showed a little bit um, in the game. Overall, I, you know, it's just it's so early. I don't know what to expect with this team. Um, Scoring-wise, you know, Roy Williams talked about it all offseason that he was worried they weren't going to be able to score enough. And pretty consistently, they're at about 75, 76 points a game um, through their first four games. So that's something to watch for. I think the stat that was up on the game was that it's the first time uh, under Roy Williams that his, one of his teams didn't score 80 points or more in the first three games. And now it's the first four games. And, you know, the competition really stiffens next week. So... Uh, be curious to see how they react because they know this was not a good performance. Yeah, my note from the first half at the end just says, this is what happens when Cole Anthony is off. And I think that really held true. Luckily, Armando Baycott really came through in this game. We'll talk about him a little bit more. But, you know, in, in that first half rail, I really felt that Anthony seemed to kind of be rushing his shot. He and Christian Keeling were both open from the outside. But it looked to me like they were not really doing a good job of maybe squaring their shoulders. They were really trying to rush and match the three-point barrage that the Phoenix were putting on UNC during that run. What do you think of Cole Anthony, and did this game just show how important he really is to UNC? Yeah, and everybody knows now, like, that's it, this is how it's going to be. So, you know, there's not going to be a huge change. They will get Brandon Robinson back. Um, they will get Anthony Harris back more than likely in, in the next, you know, couple of weeks or so. Um, but the outlook of the team isn't dramatically different. It's, and we've been saying this, you know, for like the last six months since he signed, they'll go as far as Cole Anthony can take them. And 
I think part of it tonight was his shot was off. But I also think part of it was this was the kind of game um, where I think he wanted to make sure that his teammates were involved because I, I do think if he would have pushed his offense a little harder, he could have you know put up 25 or 30 points. But heading into the Bahamas, knowing that they did have a, a, a size advantage inside and that that was the way for them to win, I think he just made a conscious effort to make sure that he got Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott the ball inside which turned out to be the correct decision. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's an off game for him as far as shooting is concerned. But, he, you know, Roe Williams is always going to be happy with a two-to-one assist turnover ratio and 10 rebounds from his point guard. Like, he's never going to be too upset about that. So, not worried about his scoring. Um, I think he did show that he can, you know, really pass the ball. And maybe that helps when people start, you know, watching Carolina film. They say, okay, well, we can't crowd him the way that maybe we thought we could because he's just a shooter, he's just a scorer. They can now see the way he distributes and facilitates. Well, you touched on UNC really trying to score inside, and that was the winning formula tonight. Armando Baycott had his breakout game in a UNC uniform, scoring 22 points, and then Brooks as well chipped in with 14. I was just so impressed with the way that, that those two guys already seem to have a very good rapport to each other. I don't know if you remember this play exactly well, but late in the game with like maybe um, under two minutes to go, Armando got the ball at the top of the perimeter and then threw a bullet pass immediately down to Baycott. He got fouled, but it was a one turn and he was going to dunk that ball. You saw that interior passing. What were your thoughts on their ability to really play off of each other? Well, you know, again, I don't mean to sound repetitive, but it's what they've been telling us is that, you know, Baycott is a really good scorer. We've talked about who's going to be the second scorer. Um, for North Carolina's team, and I think Baycott is the second most offensively gifted player on the team. He just happens to be in the post. So I think that's part of it. And then I think, you know, the pickup games during the summer, um, the practices, you know, they they build a good rapport, like you said, because this is the way Coach Williams wants to play traditionally, which is two bigs. Um, so I, I think it helped a ton for Armando to have someone like Garrison to lean on because Garrison didn't necessarily have that same luxury when he came in as a freshman because Tony Bradley and Isaiah Hicks and Kennedy Meeks had all left. Um, so it, it's, I think he's been very helpful to uh, Armando Baycott and, you know, he's, he's really good uh, Baycott. And I, I started when I said that because, you know, I, he's ranked 25, but, you know, if you talk to some scouts, they weren't exactly high on him for a variety of reasons, but, I mean, the kid, you know, he's won everywhere he's went. He was, you know, won a national championship at IMG, a high school national championship. He won a Peach Jam championship last year with Team Takeover and Anthony Harris on his team. He won a gold medal. You know, everywhere he goes, he wins. And um, he's done a tremendous job getting himself in better shape this offseason. And you saw, you know, he played, I think he played 26 minutes. He would have played a lot more if he hadn't gotten into some early foul trouble. But the, he's in shape and he can run and they're going to feed him the ball um, whenever he's open, especially against a team like Elon, who just doesn't have this you know, size and physicality inside to, to handle him. Well, I know that you and Greg and Rob all talked about how Baycott has a very high level offensive game at the high school level. You saw that translate today because he's able to score with the jump hooks, he's able to really use his footwork. Uh, he had a couple shots that were really looked like they were coming from someone that has already been in college for a couple of seasons. I was also, though, impressed with his defense, especially in the first half. He was on the perimeter. It was He got switched on to one of the Elon guards and actually helped draw a shooting clock violation. 
So talk about that aspect of his game. He also had the block in the second half. I mean, it really looks as if UNC has got themselves yet another quality, high-level elite big in Armando. Well, one of the question marks about uh, Robins playing two bigs again was how will it work defensively? And I think because Garrison Brooks is, you know, the best defender at Carolina, if not the best defender in the ACC, that gives uh, Baycott a little more flexibility to roam uh, in the post and block some shots. I think he had he had three or four blo- three blocks um, in the game today. And the fact, like we talked about, his conditioning, um, the shape he's gotten into can only help him play defense. Now, we have to remember, again, no disrespect to them, but it was Elon. You know, we're, we're not talking about you know, a team like Alabama or Gonzaga or Ohio State or UCLA or Virginia, who they play over the next few weeks. Um, so I think that's part of it. But it also is that, you know, Baycott has gotten uh, improved his lateral quickness. He's more athletic. He's gotten faster. He's gotten stronger. And I think you can see that in a defensive end on plays like you mentioned. All right, let's take a quick moment to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill for UNC's last home football game of the season, or if you're going to be in the Dean Dome for one of the basketball games, or if you're going to be on campus for one of the many other home games that the Olympic sports have going on right now, make sure that you swing by the Giant T-Shirt location where they have been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. They are where you can find anything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan and your family. The holidays are right around the corner, so if you need gift ideas, they have thousands to choose from. If you can't make it into Chapel Hill, you can always shop at GiantT-Shirt.com as well to get the same great selection and customer service. And remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your order. You can get that 10% off code from either the Basketball Premium Message Board or the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. So that's Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When you're looking at the rest of the stats, Sherelle, who really stood out to you in this game? I want to hear your thoughts and then I'll talk about two players that I thought really had above average games against Elon? Um, Stat-wise, nothing really sticks out uh, positively, <laughs> I think, from uh, looking, you know, just looking at a stat sheet. I think the negatives, definitely, the three-point shooting was was really bad. Um, and the free throw shooting, frankly, was really bad. I mean, you know, 42, 15, and 60 is not where you want to be. You want to be, you know, 50, 38, you know, 80, something like that. Um, respectively, and they're struggling right now. Um, I think part of it is there are a lot of new pieces, and I also think part of it is it's just going to be 
a challenge for this team to score throughout the season. When, when Robinson comes back, that'll help because he does give them someone else who can make an outside shot. Um, but this team, their, their uh, learning curve is going to be very steep. And also they're going to be, um, I think, inconsistent um, throughout the season just because, um, you know, it's a lot riding on Cole's shoulders and that's a lot of, of pressure on the freshmen. And then as we talked about, the new pieces fitting in, learning each other, and they're going to add Robinson back who hasn't played. They're going to add Anthony Harris. So there's more pieces. So it's just a lot of settling that has to be done over the next couple of months. But um, it'd be foolish to um, really think negative of this team based upon these four games and the circumstance around it, just because um, this isn't a vintage Carolina team. This is not a Carolina team that's going to put up 110 against anybody. It's not going to look pretty. I don't think very often, um, but Roy Williams will adapt and, and he'll, you know, find the best way to use the personnel he has. And, um, you know, more than likely when we get to February, North Carolina will be starting to warm up and, um, you know, they'll have a good season tournament. And we'll see what happens. Good stuff, man. The two names that I thought, though, had pretty good games were Justin Pierce and then Leaky Black. Pierce, I really liked the way that he was able to pass inside of the zone defense that Elon threw out at UNC at various times. You know, in the second half, he had that beautiful pass off of a kind of an errant entry pass. I forgot who threw it to Pierce, but he was able to really corral it and then quickly got it to Baycott for a dunk. And then I thought that Leakey, you know, he was two of four from three, who <laughs> shooting 50% from three, he was by far the best three-point shooter for UNC in this game. I think him having those two shots go down is going to be a benefit to him because they showed the graphic at the start of the game where I think for the season he was only shooting like 26% overall. And those are two guys that are going to have to chip in and play important minutes and really just fill up the stat sheet as much as they can. What'd you see out of those two guys? And also touch on Christian Keeling as well. Cause I think he also had a pretty decent game tonight. Yeah. The two threes from Leakey can only help I mean, the coaching staff uh, in all of their public comments have just talked about how he's oozing what talent, how much they like him, but they need him to be more aggressive. And I think taking the two threes, especially I think he had missed a few shots before that he had airballed one, um, went off one went off the kind of the back of the rim, but uh, taking those two shots and, and making them showed that he's listening to the coaching staff that you know he's being aggressive because with Cole back there and with Armando in the post, he's going to be wide open a lot of times if you know from the top of the key or from the wings because frankly you know the scattering port is going to say let that guy shoot. So if he can get some confidence and and you know he doesn't have to hit forty eight percent or he doesn't have to hit fifty percent or anything like that, if he can just be steady and just keep the defense honest. That'll keep things open for Brooks and for uh, Baycott and for Anthony. And then Pierce, you know, he he's shown now he's a really good rebounder. Uh, I think that's uh, definitely a positive because as he plays more of the four and in the post, he's going to have to kind of bang around down there uh, with guys who are much bigger, stronger, faster than uh, players from Elon. So the fact that he's doing it and doing it well at this level is a positive. I think he wants and needs to shoot better. Um, he's gotten better from the free throw line after that UNCW game where he missed quite a few. He was four for five today. And now I think it's the three point shot that needs to improve, but you know, him in the high post, him kind of on the block, like you said, doing a little bit of facilitating is a, is a good wrinkle for North Carolina's offense. And, you know, a way when you can't, uh, really create off the dribble outside of Cole, the way you mitigate that is with good ball movement and having Pierce in that spot, I think it helps with it. 
And then Keeling, my note on him just said that he did a much better job staying under control. In the first two games, I really felt like when he would drive into the lane, he didn't really completely know what he was going to do with the ball. And I think it was just him getting acclimated to the speed at this level. Tonight, though, you saw him look and keep his head up. He was looking for his teammates, and he did hit that one nice pull at mid-range. He also hit a nice floater in the lane. I think that that's also something, Rel, where you can look for some positives. And it's like you said at the very beginning. I mean, we're only four games in. This is going to be a UNC team that's going to have to come together and, and really form and mold itself. But I'm just looking at these performances, and you can see where down the road, you know, I think Roy Williams will be able to really get as much as he can out of these guys. It's a good point on Keeling. He did, you know, for as, as uh, wild as he can look at times, uh, he did make some plays that I thought were, were really good, especially there's one that actually didn't count. It was towards the end of the game on a fast break. He made a beautiful pass to Garrison Brooks. Um, and to me, that just showed, again, like you said, maybe things are slowing down a little bit because in game two, maybe he tries to go to the rim and, you know, gets charged with an offensive foul. But he made a great decision on that play. Um, like you said, the jump shot he hit, uh, the floater he hit, they look very under control and very within himself. And um, that just takes time. But, you know, four of nine, nine points in this kind of game isn't bad offensively. I think really they would want more from their starting two guard. But in a game where you're scoring 75 points and uh, the starting you know center and power four had about half of them, you know, nine points isn't anything to, to um, dismiss because um, – you know, they needed scoring and, and it was good for him, I think, just to just to relax a little bit, like you said, and calm down. And uh, I still think he'll be a good piece for North Carolina. So let's talk about some overall game trends, Sherelle, because UNC was down at the half. At one point, Elon was up by nine during that part of the game. UNC, though, came back in the second half, played much, much better overall. And I thought it was because of the defense, really, that led to that run in the second half. But go ahead and break it down into those two segments of the game and why you felt UNC struggled in the first part and then how they were able to pull it out in the second. Well, in the first half, I mean, it, it's with any sport, any game, when you let someone who's not as good as you get some confidence, they start playing well. And that's what happened. They, I think Elon hit their first couple of shots. One was a three, one was a two. And then it's like they couldn't miss. They were on fire. Um, got up by nine and then North Carolina slowly get back into the game. But then there was a stretch when it was tied at 25 and Elon was missing everything. I think they went six or seven minutes without scoring and Carolina can only push the lead up to two. So again, that goes back to Roy Williams saying it was going to be somewhat of a struggle for this team, at least initially to score. Um, in the second half, they came out and they got in transition. And again, like you said, that's all fueled by the defense. So they played better defense, which fueled the transition which fueled their defense and so on and so forth. But then they got up 16 and you could see that they let, you know, let the guard down a little bit. And before you know it, it's an eight point game at the under four, you know, with about three minutes left under four timeout. So again, inconsistent, inconsistently consistent or consistent inconsistency is what is going to, uh, I think be a hallmark of this team. I think they can look good for three or four minute stretches and then they can look bad for 10 or 15 minutes and then look good for three or four minutes again. Whereas last year, because there was so much, uh, there's such a veteran presence, and then frankly, they were just more talented, they looked good for 15 minutes and maybe bad for five. So it's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I, I see this team playing a lot of close games moving forward. 
just because they do defend well, but they can't score um, to, you know, at a traditional North Carolina level, I should say. So I don't think they'll ever get blown out and I don't think they'll have any, you know, 30 point wins or anything the rest of the season. I think it's, they're going to play in a very kind of tight window and they're going to have a very slim margin of error um, once the competition picks up. All right, last two topics. One of them serious, one of them lighthearted. Let's get the serious one out of the way. Free throws. UNC was only 14 of 23. You mentioned earlier 60.9%. It's got to get better, Sherelle, but how can it improve realistically during this season? Well, Williams always talks about, you know, if you're going to take the shot, be, I forget the exact phrase, but if you're going to be tough enough to take the shot, be tough enough, tough enough to make it or something like that. And then, uh, you talk to a lot of basketball players and free throws is just concentration and, and mental toughness. And um, I think they just have to kind of lock in, um, not to you know steal a phrase that they used a couple of years ago. That's really all it is. I don't think anybody has any fatal flaws when it comes to free throw shooting. It's just focus and, um, you know, really just focus, uh, I, I think. And that'll come. That'll improve. All right. The final thing, a little bit on the lighthearted. At one point, I forgot which announcer it was, but they tried to say that the nickname for Cole Anthony was Little C.A. Are you buying that or are you selling that? Well, Corey Alexander was, uh, you know, he's his coach at Oak Hill. So I, I guess I'm buying. Maybe that's what they called him at Oak Hill. Because, um, Corey, you know, Corey Alexander, C.A. And he was really good when he was at Virginia. So maybe that's where that comes from. But he would know. If anybody knows, he would know. Okay, good little backstory there. I I don't know. It it didn't really roll off the tongue that that well for me. Yeah. I I just don't know if like players really need nicknames nowadays. You know. Yeah, you can call him Cole or you can call him Anthony. Yeah, one of the two. Just I pick. Think, one. I think that works. Although Mondo for for Baycott is you know it, it's always great hearing them just kind of yell that after he throws one down. Yeah, I've you know in all the times interviewing him and people close to him, his parents and coaches, I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him Armando. It's always just been Mondo. Huh. Good yeah. deal. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Sherelle, thanks for talking to me so soon after the game. UNC does win 75 to 61, and we'll be back soon with more basketball content. Hope that you have a good rest of your night, man. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do-average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.